Thank you, Robin. As we begin uh, this morning, let me mention that we concluded our series on the life of David last week. And in fact, since April 27th, we've been in this study of David's life, walking through David's life. And if you missed the last few weeks, let me encourage you uh, to maybe subscribe to the podcast or, or go online to the live stream and you can see how the story comes to an end. But today we're going to begin a new series, and this series is going to take us all the way up to Advent. We're going to spend the next eight weeks in just two chapters of the Bible. We're going to be studying 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13, moving slowly over these chapters, carefully considering all that Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Now, before we get into today's text, I'd like to take just a few minutes to give you some background on this letter. Now, you can't really study a book of the Bible without first understanding the context in which it was written. And really, the, these uh, problems that I'm going to talk about at the church in Corinth really will span over the next eight weeks. So Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth, thus Corinthians. Corinthians was, or Corinth was a flourishing city in the first century, and Paul, on his travels, had been there and had established a church there. Paul would go into cities often and he would preach in synagogues or places or public places about Jesus. And people in Corinth believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They believed in his life, death, and resurrection, thus becoming followers of Jesus. And so he establishes a church in Corinth. He stayed there for about a year and a half teaching the word of God to this church. And then, as was Paul's custom, he would move on to another city. And so he heads to another town, but in time, he receives word that the church in Corinth is struggling. Now, they're struggling in a number of ways, and it seems important to mention, at least on the surface, these struggles in this opening sermon. Maybe in a future series, we'll have time to dig a little bit deeper, maybe do a study on the entire letter. But for now, I'll just mention each problem here as a matter of context for the letter. So there are five problems, at least five problems in the church in Corinth. The first problem had to do with factions. Paul left, other teachers came into the church at Corinth, and people began to pick out their favorite teacher and formed groups around their favorite teacher. Kind of like NFL teams today, right? We wear our jerseys, we cheer on our favorite team. Well, everybody in Corinth had their favorite teacher. And Paul urges them, look, you, you can't say, I follow Apollos, I follow Paul, I follow Peter, I follow you know, this person or that person. Paul says you're all to be unified together, and really everybody should be following Jesus. So that's the first problem in Corinth. The second problem in Corinth had to do with sex. One guy was sleeping with his mother-in-law. Others in the church are actively participating in temple worship. That involves sleeping with prostitutes. And some in the church are saying, you know, it's not really a big deal. It really doesn't matter what we do with our bodies. But Paul corrects them and urges them toward sexual purity. He says it matters what you do with your body. Be a people of sexual integrity, Paul tells them. A third problem has to do with food sacrificed to idols. Now, we don't really have this problem in 2023. We're not talking about this today very much. But in the first century, it was a big deal. People in the church in Corinth had different views on it. Some said, you know, it's okay to eat food that's been sacrificed to idols. And for others, it was hard for them to differentiate between eating that food and idol worship itself. It reminded them of their life as a pagan. And so Paul urges them to care for one another be sensitive to the spiritual needs of others. 
Problem number four had to do with worship gatherings. People in, in Corinth would often stand up in the middle of a worship service. We don't have this happen too often here. And just start talking, right? And Paul says to them, look, it's important to have gifts and it's important to understand what God is saying to us, but we need order in our worship. Final problem in Corinth is the resurrection of the dead, or at least the fact that some people are denying that, that we are resurrected from the dead. And Paul is dealing with that toward the end of his letter. He's reminding them that the resurrected Jesus is the center, really, of our faith. And he holds them, or he urges them to hold fast to a doctrine of resurrection. Wow, that's a lot, isn't it? Can you remember all five? <laughs> Again, we're going to be studying the, we're not going to be studying the entire book, but I want you to know these issues kind of as a background. I'll be referring to them from time to time throughout the study. Now, you might be asking the question, so why are we doing chapters 12 and 13? Well, several months ago, we were planning and praying for this series, and most of you who've been around here know that during the fall, we generally do a stewardship series. It's a time in the life of our church when we ask you to let the church know if you're planning to give next year. It helps the leaders form a budget and plan for 2024. And as we think about stewardship, it seems important that we understand that giving to the church is not just about dollars, but it's also our spiritual gifts. And so it seemed appropriate to talk about spiritual gifts. And so this is why we're doing chapter 12. And then the next chapter, chapter 13, do any of you know what 1 Corinthians 13 is about? You can say it out loud now. Love, exactly. We all know that. And so it seems appropriate that we talk about this in light of chapter 13. So that's why we're doing 12 and 13. It's kind of an extended stewardship uh, series on these two chapters. And as I said earlier, we're going to be moving slowly through these chapters. We're only going to cover a few verses each week. And today we'll be looking at the first three verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So let me invite you to find a Bible and open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll, we'll read all three verses and then we'll dig into this together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 beginning in verse 1. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I, don't want, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, let's look at these verses together. The first word is now. Now, that seems like a pause, doesn't it? If we're having a conversation and all of a sudden I say, now, that it, you might be thinking, well, you're changing the subject. But Paul is not changing the subject here or moving on to a new topic. In fact, he's connecting what he's already said to what he is about to say. He's telling the church, now, if, you're going to, if we're going to get this right, we've got to get this part about spiritual gifts or the gifts of the Spirit, right? And then Paul tells them, I don't want you, the NIV translation says, to be uninformed. Another translation puts verse 1 this way. Now, about things relating to the Spirit's work, my brothers and sisters, I don't want you to remain ignorant. You see that? Uninformed, ignorant. In other words, they're ignorant about this dynamic. They don't understand how it works, how the Spirit of God works, and how this, these gifts of the Spirit work. And if you're going to function as a church, Paul says, you've got to get this part right. And he's about to address this. And then in verse 2, 
Paul explains why they might be ignorant in this department. Look what he says. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Now the people in the church at Corinth, many of them had been pagans before they became Christians. There were some who were Jews, but many had been pagans. They had participated in idol worship in pagan temples. Now you might ask the question, well, what did that look like? What did that involve? Now Corinth was a city that was on a major trade route through the ancient world. It was a busy place. And people from all over the world were in Corinth. And because of this, there were multiple temples in the city. Let me tell you about a few of these temples. First of all, there was the Temple of Aphrodite. It stood atop the Acro-Corinth. And some scholars believe that, that this temple may have fallen into disrepair by the time Paul moves, or Paul moves into the city. But certainly the religion of Aphrodite was alive and well in Corinth. Sailors, again I told you it was a port city, so sailors from all over the world would come in and they would participate in the worship of Aphrodite, which often meant um, being with the temple prostitutes. Corinth had a reputation of being a place filled with sexual immorality. Another popular god in Corinth was Poseidon, ruler of the sea. Again, sailors from all over the world would make their way to Corinth and they would go and offer prayers to Poseidon. And these prayers were often for protection in their travels throughout the Mediterranean. Poseidon had a very large temple, and uh, there there was also a place where the Isthmian Games were held in Corinth. Other temples in Corinth included Apollo and Hermes and Venus, Fortunata, Isis, and one dedicated to all the gods. No doubt, Corinth was a city that was filled with idol worship, and those in the church were well acquainted with what this looked like. And Paul reminds them, look what he says. He said, you were led astray, or another translation says, you were carried off by these mute idols. In other words, they pulled you in, but in the end, they didn't have anything to say. They were mute, right? There was something about idol worship that was attractive. There was something about idol worship that was enjoyable, but in the end, it would leave them empty. Whether it was the temple prostitution of Aphrodite or the seeking wisdom in the cult of Isis, the people were left empty-handed and defiled. Now, we might think, "Ah, we don't have to worry about this today, right? We don't have temples around here that we go and worship idols. But I would propose that our world is filled with idol worship. And while we don't have pagan temples at the main intersections of our cities, the world around us is worshiping. They're just not always worshiping God. You see, God has made us, each of us, with this intrinsic need to worship something. Augustine believed that all, the peop- all people were searching for God, whether they knew it or not. And the various expressions of worship in our world today are really people seeking after something to worship. Augustine put it this way. He said, you made us for yourself and our hearts find no peace until They rest in you, speaking to God. So how are people worshiping idols in place of God today? For some, it's sports. Stadiums are filled each Saturday and Sunday, and now Monday and Thursday also, right? To cheer on a favorite team. Now, I love sports, and I'll be watching football later today. And I spent a good 
part of uh, yesterday watching football, right? But for most people, or sorry, for many people, it is more than a game. It is worship. For others, it's a political party or an ideology. Social media feeds are filled with stories that support a particular candidate or a particular ideology. Politics can become an idol. Still others, it's a hobby or a drug or a habit. We have to ask ourselves the question, is there something in our lives that pull us away from God, that carry us off, but in the end leave us empty-handed? Paul reminds the Corinthians that the ways, the pulls of culture will often distract them from the things of God. Paul doesn't want them to be ignorant. He doesn't want them to be uninformed. He doesn't want them to be unaware. And so he begins to teach them about what it means to live by the Spirit of God. But they first of all have to get this whole deal about idols down. The first step in doing this is identifying things that pull us away from God and being careful to not participate in that. Look at, look at verse 3 together. Therefore, Paul says, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, when I first read this verse, I thought, what does that have to do with idols? What's Paul talking about? What's he getting at here? Are the people in Corinth actually saying, Jesus, be cursed? Is this happening in the church services? Some scholars said that, you know, there's a problem with order, orderliness in worship in Corinth. And, and people are actually standing up in worship and they're, they're cursing Jesus. And that's what some scholars believe was happening here. And that's why Paul is addressing this. But, but others say maybe Paul is talking about people cursing Jesus in other arenas of life, not necessarily inside the church. In verse 2, Paul is urging the Christians in Corinth to be fully aware of their cultural pull toward idols, toward temple idols. And there may be some in church or in, in the church in Corinth who are dabbling in temple worship and at the same time trying to live out their faith, kind of doing both, right? They kind of have a foot in both worlds. And Paul has reminded them, look, there are arenas, there are areas in life where God, where Jesus is cursed. And Paul says we've got to be careful in those areas. And we also have to understand that Jesus is Lord. Now think about that phrase. We say that in church a lot, right? Jesus is Lord. But what does it mean? It means Jesus is in charge, right? Jesus is higher. Jesus is greater than anything else. And so the question really is, are there areas of our life, are there arenas where Jesus is not the highest value? And if so... Could those arenas be pulling us away from Jesus? Any habit or sport or activity or political candidate, you fill in the blank, that is requiring our full allegiance is an idol. Jesus is the only one who deserves our worship. So what does this mean? What does this mean for the United Church in 2023 Next week, we're going to move on to verse 4, and we're going to continue to talk about Paul's instructions about, about spiritual gifts. But it seems appropriate just to kind of land here this morning on these first three verses and allow God's words, word to speak to us. Paul is writing to a church that's struggling about life in Christ in the first century. He, he's living in a world where idol worship is dominating the landscape. And the church in Corinth is struggling. Many of the Christians in Corinth have pagan backgrounds. 
They've been part of the surrounding temples and the worship associated with temples. And perhaps they're having a hard time adjusting to life in Christ. And maybe again, like I said earlier, some are dabbling in idol worship and trying to follow Jesus at the same time. And Paul wants them to realize, to know how empty their old life was. They need to learn what it means to be rooted and grounded and nourished by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will point to Jesus as Lord. That's the test. If somebody's cursing Jesus, they're not from God. And if they're proclaiming that Jesus is greater than anything else, that he's in charge, that he's in Lord, that he is Lord, that is only done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus as Lord, key phrase there. He's the one who deserves our worship, our best, our time, our talents, our very self. Can we confess today that Jesus is in charge If so, we're filled by the Holy Spirit of God. Are we living in areas or arenas that curse Jesus, that deny Jesus as Lord, and make something else more important? It's impossible to deny Jesus and be filled with the Spirit of God. They just don't go together, Paul says. They cannot live in the same place because Jesus is Lord. He's King. He alone deserves our worship. What might God be saying to us this morning through his word? Would you pray with me? God, we are grateful this morning as we open 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, to remember that there are idols that often demand our attention, that often pull us in. God, help us to confess that you are Lord, that you are King, that you are in charge of all things. Help us to check ourselves in areas where we're pulled in and pulled away from you. And God, may you rule and reign in all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.